Sixteng, who have this retreat as coming together to practice, both here at Bodmapchan and those joining us online. So we started on the 28th of October and uh, it's now six days have passed. So we see that the days and the nights are steadily passing by like this. And so we should contemplate uh, so that we don't become careless. But rather we put in the sincere effort to do skillful and meritorious deeds. So even though we have work to do in the world, but we make the time to join in this retreat. And there are also those people who have helped to organize this retreat, and this is a great burden for them. But they do it with a sense of giving and sacrifice, which is an act of kindness and compassion. And so the perfectly self-awakened Buddha, he had this quality or these dhammas of kindness and compassion as well, and the arahants too. And all those who have developed great parami, the bodhisattvas, have created these spiritual perfections. So we do all of these meritorious deeds those of giving, of generosity, and also of meditation as well. And we train ourselves to put to the side all of the sense experiences that come into the mind. Because these objects of the mind, they give us difficulties in our practice. So we train to let go of all of them and just put them down and maintain our mindfulness in the present moment. And we try to do this quickly. Because if we have this mindfulness there, watching over the mind, knowing the mind, then we'll know what states are in it, and it won't shake in line with those states. That if there's greed, that comes up, we know that it's come up, and we know what has caused that to arise. And then when that greed uh, vanishes, then we know it's disappeared, and we also know what it is that caused it to disappear. And so we need this, need this awareness of greed, and the same is true for aversion and delusion as well. And also for the mind that isn't greedy, that isn't averse, that isn't deluded. And we know that too. So we see this, the presence of greed, hatred and delusion. The absence of greed, hatred and delusion. And knowing that these are states that arise, they stay for a bit and they cease. That the mind is merely the mind. It's not a being, not an individual, not me, not you. And then through this, then wisdom will arise.
But in the beginning, we need to take good care over our minds and to kind of know what's going on. Because the mind, that we cling to that and the things that arise within it as being me, belonging to me. These good thoughts, meritorious thoughts, that they are my thoughts. All of the harmful bad thoughts, these are my thoughts. When we think of something helpful and good, then there's an ease in the mind. But when it's something that is bad and unskillful, then we don't like that and we don't want it to have arisen. So this is craving as well, and this craving is the cause for suffering to arise. So we need to accept the normality of these things. And greed, hatred and delusion need to accept them as being normal, see them as being normal. And also to know them for what they are while they're arising. And try to see the normality of them with greater speed. Because if we can know them in time quickly, then this greed, hatred and delusion will cease quickly as well. But if our mindfulness and wisdom are weak, then we still know these states, but we're not able to do anything about them. The mind is still greedy, it's still averse, it's still deluded. And it can go on thinking and creating from those states all day and night, giving rise to anger, giving rise to ill will. It can think constantly for many days and nights, just carrying on, going over the same thing. So we need to know this and to try to uh, know it fast. Because there's this struggle that's going on in the mind when it's like this. These states arising through delusion. And so there's the struggle then between that delusion and uh, mindfulness. So we put in this effort and we persist, we try. So when we have this mindfulness, knowing these uh, states, but the energy of our wisdom isn't enough, then the mind just carries on thinking. But we know that, okay, the mind is giving rise to greed like this. We know that that has come up. We know that that's there. And we try to contemplate it, contemplate how this is a fire that burns. Hatred and delusion, they're also fires that burn. If the mind is in a normal state, then it feels at ease, it's still, it's calm, it feels spacious. But when these sense impressions hit the mind, then the mind starts going after them, giving chase to them. But if there's mindfulness and wisdom there protecting the mind, then it won't follow after them. So this is how we look after the mind and care for our hearts so that they're in a joyful state. And just like the material possessions that we have, 
our house, our car, our wealth. We need to care for this. We need to have that wisdom looking after our wealth, don't we? Because these days it's hard to really trust anyone. We put things here or there, but then problems arise. Or we trust this person and that person, and then this just creates chaos. So in finding these possessions and this wealth, it's difficult for us to gain that. But if we don't have wisdom to look after it well, then suffering arises. So we need to have that wisdom with regards to our external wealth. So with our home, we look after it so that dangers don't um, occur to it. Because if we don't have a house, then our life will be very difficult. But what about our minds then? And do we just abandon our minds? The thing that really has value is this mind and this heart. And this heart which is in a good state, a skillful state, a meritorious state. But if we just abandon our hearts, then they'll go following all of the things that arise within them. And then the heart drops, it becomes sullen and sad and gloomy. And if we just carry on doing that, allow it to become more and more gloomy, then great problems will arise to our health, both our physical health and our mental health. And so when it gets to that state, then uh, meditation, it's not able to help us very much. So we need to rely upon doctors and medicine. So we should train in samadhi then, bringing the mind together, gathering it in. And we also need to be cautious as well. So like with our home, we're cautious and careful of our home. We don't allow it to become damaged. If things do get damaged, then we repair them well, so that it's a place which is pleasant to live in. So the same is true for our mind, that if our mind starts dropping down, it starts becoming gloomy. And we just, and that's how it starts off, but we just allow it to go like that. We don't follow after it and care for it. We just allow it to go on. Then great danger can come up. And perhaps we don't see that. Perhaps we don't really understand what's happening. We don't see just how uh, damaging that can be. But if we carry on doing that, then um, the minds will fall apart which means that the defilements will be overpowering our mind and in control of them. And then the heart becomes dark and closed and shut off. And then we don't have any place to stay in this world. So we need to be very careful of these minds, following up on them, watching them, caring for them well using our mindfulness, wisdom, and sampajanya, this clear awareness, to 
follow up on the mind. And if our mind is well established, then there is nothing which is able to make it suffer. If we look externally, then we think that I'm suffering because of this thing or that thing, that this and that sensory experience is making my mind unstable, making it shake. But if we look inside ourselves with wisdom, we can see that the suffering is coming up because of the delusion in the heart. So the Buddha and the Arahants, they went through this as well. And the Aryas still have this suffering, but their suffering steadily reduces. And they also have mindfulness there to be able to look after and control what's going on. So it's not difficult for them to develop wisdom then. So for us all, we wish for samadhi. Jhana, the absorptions, samadhi. This is something that all people want. And for myself, when I was a lay person, this is what I wanted as well. Maga, pala, nibbana, the past, the fruits, nibbana, samadhi. Because I saw that samadhi was something really good. That when the mind's in that state, it's very peaceful and cool. That you just sit and both the body and the mind are in this really pleasant state. And sometimes it's possible to be in that for days and nights at a time. And the suffering that we experience gets less and less. So if we have mindfulness and wisdom, we're able to follow and know all of the sense experiences that come up and we're able to put them down. And this is something that's really good and something that relies upon the space of samadhi. So we can see that we can make these wishes and determinations, but if those are just idle wishes, will we actually get there? It's like if we're traveling afar, uh, to some place far away, but we don't actually travel, we don't actually move forward, are we gonna get there? We don't start walking, we don't use a car or a boat or a plane, then we're not gonna reach, are we? And so we need to start walking, start moving there. And it's like traveling to the city of Nibbana, that in order to get there, we need to put in our efforts, need to be sincere, to have this devotion and sincerity of intention, and to forbear as well. Also need to be aware of our minds. What are they thinking of right now? Even if there's just a small amount of greed there, we tell ourselves that I don't want this, that this is something that's worldly, belongs to the world. In the end, we all have to die and throw everything away in this world. 
If we gain a lot, then we leave a lot behind. If we have just a little, then we toss away just a little. And these go to the people that we love, and they just stay on in this world like this. And so this is nothing new. This is how things have been before. It's how it's been from the time of the Buddha to this present day. And in the future, it'll be like this as well. So we need to leave everything behind in this world. And we don't stay in this world for a long time. We're just here temporarily. And so this world, it's always lacking. It's never in a state of satiation or completion. It's constantly under the power of aversion, sorry, of ignorance, uh, craving and attachment. And there was a noble disciple of the Buddha who contemplated this and became weary of the world. And so he practiced until he attained to the Dhamma. You see that old age, sickness, death, they're close by. They're not far away. We can look at these bodies that we have. Before they were small children, and then they became youths, and they went through various stages of life, going from 20 years old, 30 years old, 40, the present, perhaps now we're 60 or 70. And so it's close already. And so this, these days and the nights, they constantly pass by. And our lives are constantly passing by as well. Time constantly passes by. And it swallows everything, including itself. So something that's really worthy of thinking about and contemplating. So when things are this way, then what are we able to take with us? And see that we don't stay here for a long time. And so there was a lay person who she realized that old age is uh, close already. And so she made this uh, offering to the jetty. And so, and this necklace was something that she'd used for a long time already. Uh, but she thought it'd be better now to give it so that it would be of benefit for the next world. So this was an act of faith and an act of paying homage to the Buddha, the Dhamma and the Sangha. So we will see that all of our lives are not sure. So therefore we should also pay homage to the Buddha, Dhamma and Sangha and do that with our practice too. That we have these qualities of generosity and virtue and we're also now training in mindfulness 
and samadhi and wisdom. And so we're not wasting this life that we have, having the fortune to be born as a human. We also see that the faith that we have, we haven't just had that for this life only. This is something that we've cultivated before, something that we have had before. And that's followed us through to this life. And so now we have this faith to practice as well. And in the future, future lives, and by that we can mean tomorrow or next month, next year, then we'll carry on doing it. That we just carry on going and we don't retreat. We carry on walking along this path because this path is the way to Nibbana. So just carry on doing that. And even though perhaps you don't get jhana, it's still possible for wisdom to arise. That there's this mind that just gathers together. And that can come up while listening to the Dhamma. It can be very incredible. This knowledge arises. All doubts are relieved. There's a steadiness and a firmness in the practice that one's faith, conviction, becomes solid. So for myself, uh, before, I wasn't in the state of jhana, but this knowledge just appeared. Seeing all material things as being conventions. And so just through that, then the mind uh, realized this vimuti, this liberation, was able to uh, get out. So there was a clear seeing that came up, an understanding of the Dhamma, a seeing of the Dhamma. I saw the Buddha in my heart. And so we all have this firm faith. So therefore we should forbear and persist and put in our efforts. So we're listening to the Dhamma now and we've traveled uh, from, for the most part, from far away to be here. And so this effort in coming here, it's not something that's wasted. But rather, this is something which gets stored deeply in the heart. So when you return home, then carry on with your practice. Don't just abandon it. Really set your heart on it. You can chant Itipiso over and over again, or the recollection of the Dhamma, the recollection of the Sangha, you can recite Buddha, Dhammo, Sangho, whatever chant it is that fills up the heart, that you have this feeling of joy that arises, then do that. Or contemplate so that the mind comes to peace. And so you see that there are some people in this world uh, that we feel attracted to, and others that we feel averse to. We can see how really everyone is the same. They're all just made up of these four elements. 
they all have this earth element, this water element, wind element, fire element, that it's all changing, it's all in constant, and they're all stressful, and it's difficult to endure, and it all breaks apart. And so we can ask ourselves, well, if the body is this, if it's like this, then why would I get angry at someone's body? Why love someone's body? Why be attracted? Why be averse? And so if the mind gives rise to greed, or if it gives rise to hate, and if that's in someone else's mind, we can see that that's coming up because the defilements are in control of their mind. And so it's the same for our minds as well. So if we see it like that, then we're able to forgive ourselves, we're able to forgive others. And this gift of forgiveness, it's a very high gift. The nivaranas, the hindrances, are those which obstruct peace. And so there's this delight in sensuality, there's the scatteredness of the mind, the aversion, the will, and the doubts. And these can be constantly present in the mind. And so that's why we need to train ourselves. Because if we don't train, then the mind will always be uh, possessed by these things. And they'll just be suffering and difficulty that we experience. And this goes on, life after life, from birth to death. And we go through old age, sickness and death. And this carries on into the next life. So now we need to go against the flow of the world. And Sotapanna, stream entrants are those who have entered the stream to Nibbana. So to do that, we need to uh, resist and go against the current of the world. But if that current is stronger than we are, then we'll flow along with it. But if the current of the Dhamma is stronger, then we'll be able to go against that of the world. And we can enter into the stream of the Dhamma. So therefore, when we have these wishes, desires, then we should be cautious in practice. We should endure all things. And see the truth of nature and how all these things are conventions. And when the mind sees in this way, then it becomes bright and joyful. And this here is uh, Buddha, this uh, inner awakening. So therefore we should all seek out this inner Buddha in our hearts. So whether you are old or young, whether listening to the Dhamma here at the monastery, or at home. May you sincerely set your hearts on attaining in this life, and may you all reach Maga, Pala, Nibbana, and may you grow in blessings.